Hello, and welcome to the Back Issue Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about an older comic book storyline. Spotlight. I am joined by James, and we're going to be discussing Gun Honey number one through four, published by Titan Comics in 2021, as part of the Hardcase Crime line. James, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. Now, I've read a couple of things out of the Hardcase Crime line, although to be honest, I'd be a little hard pressed to name exactly what they were off the top of my head. So I'm not going to claim to be any kind of hardcore aficionado of this kind of stuff. Uh, but what I've read, I've, I've liked. It's, it's been good. Yeah. I, I, what's funny is a long time ago, you and Drew were reviewing hard case crime stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to the podcast at the time. I was not the co-host. And I was like, man, this stuff's cool. And I have read everything since then that kind of comes out in the comic form from hard case crime. I enjoy it. It's that something that's a little bit different. Now, these, it reminds me of like a pulp type thing, a little more mature. Yeah. Definitely more mature with this one, but pulp and noir kind of a feel to it. Yeah, yeah. So so they're so different. So I don't get that itch often, but when I want to read something, I, this, you know, scratches that, I, I scratch that itch with this, with Hard Case Crime. And mm-hmm. it's kind of cool because, like, it reminds me, it's completely different, but you can, you know how I read the Seven Seas Ghost Ship manga, uh-huh. which is kind of like the little bit more mature. It's not like the all adults only one. It's like rated r manga and you know they might have and it's kind of like this rated r i kind of like that because it's a little more mature a little different and i read it every now and then and that's what this is for me and the comic in the western comic world so i get it both places and i like it both and they're very very different but it fills that itch you know yeah well this is definitely a a comic going after a particular genre and uh target audience and stuff which i think is great i think more publishers ought to say okay this is the area we're kind of carving out for ourselves. Let's just do that really well. Yeah. And I think they're doing a great job with this line, but I'm also not going to claim to be dead center of that target audience. Yeah, definitely. No, I I know exactly what you mean. And and this one, I felt like it got even a little bit more mature in some places than most of the hard case crime does. I would agree with that. There were one or two places where I do a page flip and I'm like, wow, yeah. <laughs> that I was think... that was definitely not all ages, and it does have a suggested for mature readers on the cover and small print in the bottom corner. But it's like, okay, this is not only not all ages, this is definitely adult. And in one or two places, particularly in that second issue, I felt, felt it got kind of needlessly explicit. It really did. It almost like that NC-17 film, you know? I think it went past NC-17. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. Because I didn't expect that. Usually, like, when you read, like, a hard case crime, there'll be some flirtation, titillation, Mm -hmm. and then maybe you'll see, like, a breast or something, you know, or just, you know, the side view of one or something, you know, not too graphic. Provocative, but not explicit. Yeah, this was like, wow. This (laughs) was explicit. Yes. So this was very different. And I had, I remembered it when I got there. But I forgot about it when we were talking about reviewing this. I was like, I don't know why. I was like, I remembered it was uh, a little bit racy, 
but I've mm-hmm. forgotten about that scene. That I was like, oh yeah, now I remember. <laughs> well, this is one that when it came out, I had considered getting it, but had decided not to. And part of what made me want to review it for this is it's been optioned to be a, a TV show. Oh, I did not know that. It's going to be done by Pillar Sagan, and they have done uh, Private Eyes, which is a, a recently ended show that I've really enjoyed. They did Haven, which I thought was a great show. They did oh. the uh, Dead Zone TV show, which I thought was really well done. And this is, I want to say it's Sean Pillar is the pillar of, of these two. He is the son of Michael Pillar, who did uh, some of the Star Trek TV shows back in the day with Deep Space awesome. Nine and Next Gen and such. Do you know who usually picks up their, their TV series? Is it like a Netflix thing or is it like a Hulu thing or do you know? It's been different things at different times. I think Haven and Dead Zone might have both been sci-fi. And then okay, Private sci-fi. Eyes was, it was on Ion here in the States and a Canadian channel up in Canada. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because uh, it, it'll be interesting. They'll, they can adapt this. With, they can cut out some of those scenes that are very explicit. But at the same time, I think the raciness is kind of like central to the story because of who she is and how she ut- utilizes that. Well, I'm wondering if the TV show is going to wind up almost being a prequel to this story. Oh. Because the basic premise here is the lead character, uh, her name is uh, Joanna Tan, I think it is. Yes. She is... Kind of sort of a gun runner, but not in the typical sense. She's not doing, you know, bulk shipment of arms and stuff. She's the person you you get in touch with if you want to go kill somebody, but the problem is you can't get the gun where you need it to be. Yes. She's so very she, good at that. She'll essentially smuggle in a gun for an assassination. She won't do the killing. You know, her hands are theoretically clean that way. I mean, but she's providing the weapon for the explicit use of the killing, so how clean can they be? And it's a very interesting twist on the Gunrunner kind of idea, because it almost makes every episode a little bit of a heist story in reverse. Yes. It's written very clever, how they go about doing this. And I I really like the name, because Gun Honey, because you always hear about the honey trap, the girl that's Mm -hmm. the pretty, seductive, sensual woman who traps the agent. And she does use this but in a different sense like you said almost reverse engineering hey i'm gonna use my sensuality to get invited onto a yacht boom and i slide a gun in well and and smuggling a gun onto a yacht in a bikini yeah that's a neat trick and it was reasonably plausible the way they did it so i mean I'll, i'll give them some kudos for that it was i if they do that aspect of the character throughout the the tv show that i think has a lot of potential a ton of potential because it's going to be clever, almost like a MacGyver type thing. You know, how is she going to accomplish the feat? And it's going to have that that tension there, that sensuality, the sexual tension. There's just so many layers here that I think it could be a really good show. So I didn't even know it was being optioned. I'm completely on board just to check it out and see how it is because I did enjoy the comic. You know, although I wouldn't say this is like, man, this is A plus. Everyone has to read it. I think if you read it, you're going to enjoy it, probably. You're going to have fun with it. Yeah, I think so. I think it was it was a good story. There were a few places where I felt it was a little slow, but not yeah. excessively so. Just kind of relaxed. A little yes. more so than I was wanting in a few places. Definitely not all ages, as, as I talked about. Nope. <laughs> but I thought there was a fair amount of action, both to get the story going and in each of the issues. There were a couple of, of plot twists that 
didn't go exactly how I thought they would, but close enough that it kind of met my expectations and surprised me, which was good. The way it ended, to me, feels like end of TV series, not pilot of TV series, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's interesting because not only have I watched, you know, Private Eyes, and my sister and I did an episode or two on on the early seasons of that, but we also dug up the book it was based on and read that. Oh, really? So we've done episodes on, I think it was The Code was the book, that was the premise for Private Eyes, the TV oh, show. Oh, cool, cool. All right. So we've seen what, what these guys can do, what they start with and where they go. And nice. with that particular case, the premise was the same, the execution and the, the parts they focused on and didn't focus on radically different. So I think they're going to take the premise of Gun Honey and not necessarily try to do like this particular story. Because, I mean, this was more of a, a movie story than like a pilot of a TV show kind of a story. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. I, so you're thinking they're going to focus maybe on her childhood and upbringing. And getting to this point, maybe. I think not even the childhood and upbringing. I think it's going to be after all of that, but the adventures that would kind of set her up to have been where she's at at the beginning of this. Building her skill set and I think getting she'll have the, the reputation. Have the skill set, have the reputation, but not be far enough down the line that she's at this point in her life. Yeah. She wouldn't okay. be that much before it. And I would expect the attempted recruitment by the government agency would happen probably in the pilot because you can't have, in my mind at least, the lead of a TV show whose reason for being is to go help people get assassinated. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that usually doesn't go over too well. A little bit of a turnoff, but if you then have a government agency, you know, and she's now doing it for the quote-unquote right reasons, and the, the, the bad guys are, are who's getting killed and such, well, that's acceptable. Exactly. And we've seen shows like that numerous times on TV. It, this would be different in that it's a girl and she, her skill set's a little bit different what mm -hmm. she's doing. So I, I, I think it's going to be really good. I, I like the lead character because she's definitely a strong female character. Yeah. Not a pushover. Very tough. Very individual. Not, not needing help from anyone. Mm -hmm. And that's brought up several times, you know, from her jumping over the fence. You know, the guy's trying to be... Uh, very, uh, I, I don't know, charming, you know, like the, the white knight, you need help over the fence, and she jumps right over. She's like, do you need help over the fence? Yeah, yeah you need a boost. <laughs> yeah, that was just, it's very clever. So I think, I think this type of lead in today's world is going to go over very well, and it can be sexual without exploitative, which I think will work. Yeah, I think there's got to be that aspect in, carried over to the TV show. I think... The guy she's paired up with here, to me, has to be part of the TV show. I mean, it's integral to this story, it's part of the property, and I think it makes the premise work better if she's got somebody to kind of push off against, if you know what I mean, in terms of, well, she's going to do it this way, he wants it done that way. Do they meet in the middle, do they not? Yeah, you're going to have uh, even that tension between like Agent Barrow and her, you mm -hmm. know, that, that kind of sprouts up and comes up, even though they're just working hand in hand. I, th I think it's really cool. I can see those flashback scenes where she's going back to her childhood yeah, pop, popping up, you know, how I learned to do this, how I've learned to do this. And, and the character, it's really cool because she's a daughter with all these brothers and the brothers are raised to be tough and, you know, confrontational almost in their living on the streets where she's meant to be like 
a little undercover, like a mouse, you well, know, not seen. <laughs> I think the line they used is they were taught strength. She was taught stealth. Very much so. Yep. And I could totally see where if, if they go the way I would take this as a TV show is she's gotten recruited. That's the pilot episode. So we've got her. We've got Agent Barrows. We've got the director of, of the government agency. Okay. You've got to cast those three. And I think you're right that you've got to do recurring flashbacks to her as a child with her four brothers. Mm -hmm. And that almost becomes its own kind of ongoing subplot and stuff of how did she become who she became. And how many TV shows have we watched where they do that kind of a thing and whatever's relevant in the, the present day story is somehow echoed in the flashback scenes of she learns a similar lesson or learns what she needs to, to learn this lesson or, you know, whatever. Exactly. You see it so many times. <laughs> yeah. And if it's done well, it works. Exactly. It's it's a writing technique because it, it can work. Exactly. You're you're pulling on that on that experience and it's no difference between a special forces operator to this girl who's basically planting weapons for mm -hmm. people to use. And I love the statement in here when the the FBI approaches her and they're like, "Yeah, we're we don't really want to arrest you with all those skills. We want to utilize you." Well, as if they could keep her in jail is is the line I think they also use. Yeah, that's I just love that. So, and you can see that happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the the best computer hackers we have are people that they've caught doing really bad things. <laughs> well, you recruit because they've got the skill set you need. Yeah, our cybersecurity people are usually people who've hacked in and you know things have happened, and they have the skill set and they know what other people are going to do who are trying to hack into companies. Yeah, and, and this set someone who's going to plant weapons or they need weapons planted, she knows how to get it done. It's really clever. Yeah, again, I can definitely see why this was picked up and, and optioned. I think for it to work as an ongoing serial story versus, you know, a miniseries here, which has, again, a beginning, middle, and end, they've got to balance her doing her thing with almost some sort of redemption arc yep. uh, to make that work, because you've got to it's got to be somebody we want to follow. Correct. You know, and I think that's going to be challenging. But I also think it comes down to, can they cast it well? Yes, that's going to be key. If if Agent Barrows is somebody that we like hanging around, well, then he, he he's going to get cast aside and replaced by somebody who we do. You know what I mean? And if if Joanna isn't somebody who is seems credible in the position in the story she's in, then it just doesn't work. It's true. They I, I, There's different people I'm trying to think. They do have to option and get the right person. And I, I, that's going to be difficult. It could be, it, it can be, it's doable, but it's going to be a little bit difficult. You know, like the first person that popped to my mind is, you know, Hawaii Five-0. They had Grace Park mm. that popped into my head. She could possibly do it. But at the same time, I don't know. You know, I, I she could. Can she carry the show? Maybe. She's certainly been acting long enough. I think she could. She could do the action sequences and stuff. I think she would be an interesting choice. Yep. That's just the first person that popped into my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's also a matter of you've not only got to cast the individual characters well, but you've got to get them to where they've got the on-screen chemistry that, that plays for how you want to take the story. Exactly. And it has to be real because people can tell if it's fake. So, like, it's got to be two really strong actors mm -hmm. where you can feel the chemistry between them, the tension between them, and her not needing that character, but almost learning to trust the character that she's partnered with. 
Yeah. And him learning to realize, wow, she's more than I thought. <laughs> and I don't need to defend her so much. So I, I want that relationship I can see it playing out in the TV show. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be fantastic. And I tell you what, the, the, the one thing I did appreciate about this, it was only four issues. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a quick read. I like the way it ended because it feels like, okay, where's the next point in our story now? You know, it doesn't have to be a next point. It could be the end. But I feel like something else could happen from there. Well, I think Joanna could have another adventure, but the story ends in a way that it's it's a different adventure. It's not a continuation of this one. Correct. Because there's some, some definite finality to what's going on here at the end. Yes. You know, a couple of explosions here and there, unsurprisingly, a couple of key gunshots, which is why, to me, this feels like the end of a TV series, not the beginning of a TV series, this particular story. Yeah, this is riding off into the sunset somewhat. Yeah, to me, this is this is what you build a a TV series to get to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that that last scene that was the most gratuitous. I thought <laughs> that and the scene between the two girls, because I was like, why did they have to show her like that? <laughs> I don't mind it. I enjoyed it, but I was like, they didn't need to do that. <laughs> well, and I think the direction a TV show based on this would take would be highly dependent on where it airs. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because if it's on a streaming service or a, a more adult network or whatever, you can lean into some of those aspects of this more than if it's almost your standard, you know, primetime fare or something. Yeah, there, there, there's like a standard joke between my brother-in-law and I. We, we, we always joke. At the beginning of almost every HBO series, there's gratuitous nudity that happens. Just to show they can do it? Just to show they can do it more and more, you know, especially through the first two seasons. And then you find out the people who have the good contracts and the people who don't have the good contracts because the people who have the good contracts have then negotiated and all of a sudden they're not nude anymore. <laughs> and the other people have to still kind of every from time to time. When it's hilarious. <laughs> Stargate was turned into a TV show with Stargate SG-1, it was on Showtime, I think. Okay. And there were a few things in the, the pilot for that that were, you know, showing some skin and some other stuff like that, because, well, they could. They can, yeah. And there was a little of that throughout the first season, not much, but it was also the sort of thing that since they knew they were going to syndicate the show, you could cut without cutting any key plot. Yes, yeah. So, you know, you can you can work it both ways. Yeah, I mean, even this type of thing, like, let's pretend like this was a TV show, that scene where the girl in the bar, or in the club, mm-hmm. so in their club, and I guess she's fluid and she picks up a lady. They could have them kissing and making out in the apartment and then show him waking up the next day with mm-hmm. sheets over him and then her leaving, walking out the door. Everything in between could be cut. There's a lot of ways you can imply certain things happen without having to, to blatantly show them. Exactly. And HBO and Showtime just show it because they can. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, hey, that's what people come here for. They're paying a premium price. <laughs> well, and that's one of those things where given the slant they were taking on the kind of story where they're going again hard case crime they're going a little noir a little pulp and stuff like that this to me is is a period piece sort of a story even if it's set you know in modern day or whatever i agree so i expect a little bit more style and whatnot to the the way they show the story yes yeah i agree and I'll tell you what, there's so many clever things because this could be in the 80s. It could be in the 2020s. 
and it works. This the this show the way it is, or this comic the way it is. It, it doesn't feel dated because some of the hard crazy time it does feel like it's the 70s or 80s. You know, they go back and it's very pulp like. This one, you know, even with the hidden gun it being small, that makes it not feel so dated. And then even if they wanted to tie in like a metal detector type thing with the bathing suit, it works. You can't say take that off. You know. Yeah. So so it, it actually is very clever. I, the way that that all played out, I thought it was a very, it was just a really cool opening. I'm trying to think if there was anything in this story that firmly dates it at any point in time. Not really that I can tell. Like, I mean, I, I mean, guess some of the cars, the way they look, but you can't even really tell because you could redesign cars. I mean, I don't think we ever see a phone Not really. or a computer or anything else that would set it past, say, you know, it could be as far back potentially as the 60s. Yeah. I mean, you see the, the clicking the button with the remote when there's an explosion. But, you know, that's from the 60s till today. It doesn't really change, you know? Yeah. I mean, is there anything here that could not have happened in like an early James Bond film? Not really. It feels like it can work in almost any decade you want to put in. And that's really a credit to the story because... Most of them do feel like, hey, this is set in the 70s or the 80s. Like when I read Brubaker Criminal, it, there's things in there that really date it, you know? This is set in this time period. There's one thing in the first issue where she's first pulled in by the government agency and being kind of interrogated. Oh, okay. Where it looks like there's a video camera. Oh, okay, okay. And there's a few things there that make it feel About. modern day, but nothing that, that couldn't say, well, you know... Maybe it's a bigger video camera, and you've set it now in the seventies or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Or, or that 80s. makes Yeah, that makes sense. So it, it's it's just kind of cool, you know, like how they how that was done. Mm-hmm. It, it it felt fresh. It felt new. Yet it has a little bit of noir, which is weird. And I liked it. I've liked all the hard case crime stuff, and uh, it, it tickles an itch that I get every now and then. And they release them just infrequently enough where it comes out where I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't mind reading one of those. Hmm. Yeah, this is one where if you flood the market, it would kill it. It really would. If this was an every month type thing, I, I think the readership would die. Now, one thing I did find interesting is the last story page of the first issue okay. was one of the covers of the second issue. Yes. And I don't I don't recall if they did that through the rest, but I like it when they do that sort of a thing. Yeah. Because it makes it easy to, oh yeah, that's where we left off. Yeah. And I can get back into the story pretty easily. Yeah, it was very clever. <laughs> And, and part of that is you've got to end on a, a splash page to be able to do that, and not all splash pages are going to make good covers of the next issue. Yeah. And I remember when I was getting the singles, you know how they have multiple covers for hard case crimes? Mm-hmm. I, I, I got the ultra, you know, racy, the girl with the bikini with the gun on her hip, so I missed out on that <laughs> the next issue. But yes, it did. But they show you all the covers, so I could see that was one of them. Yeah. I like Which how they cool. have all the covers in there so you know what you've missed. Yeah. I will say when picking the covers to put on the episode image, I, I spent a little more time than I would might have otherwise. Normally it's just, well, I'll pick cover, you know, one, three, and four or whatever. But with this, I mean, there were a couple that are a little racier than I kind of wanted to have yeah. on the thing. So it's like, okay, let's find the most, you know, sedate cover we can. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> Well, there's a couple where, you know, it's somewhat of a provocative cover. And, you know, hey, that sells the books. That's great for them to do that. But I don't want people to see that and think that's all the book is about. Yeah. No, that's true. 
and it's really not. It, it, they're very cleverly done crime books and an adventure. It almost feels like a, a female James Bond type type of setting. Mm-hmm. And and every one of these hard case crimes, the hard case crime things, they're they're very different, similar but different. They they're they're in the same genre, same wheelhouse, but they're very different stories. So you can go from one to the other, and it's completely different, yet feels comfortable and a little sense of sameness. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I, I don't know how to describe it any better than that. Again, they're not telling the same story all the time, but they're doing it in the same genre with the same tone and style. Yeah. And, and it, I think they come out, if I had to guess, it used to be like once a quarter we would get one. Right now, about once every four to five months, you'll see one pop up in the back mm-hmm. in the Titan section. And, and they're all pretty short. They're, you know, from anywhere from three to five issues typically. So there's not a lot of fluff in there. But I think they've done a couple. I think one of the ones I might have read with uh, with Drew was Quarry's War, and okay, I think yeah. that's based on a series of novels. I remember that. Yep, that are part of it and such. Again, if you're into this kind of of story and such, they deliver. They do deliver. I think it was excellent, and it was kind of funny. I don't want to say funny, but interesting. I felt like you had like a very diverse cast of people creating the book too. Because I, I remember I flipped to the who did this because I, I always want to know who the creators are. Mm-hmm. So you got Charles Ardai. Never heard of the guy, but writer. I think he's the guy behind the Hard Case Crime line. There you go. Okay, so Charles Ardai, which very European-sounding name. Then you got Ong Hor Kang. I, I'm butchering that. A very Asian-sounding name, so I'm like, cool, Asian artist. Mm-hmm. Then you got Asifur Rahman, a very Middle Eastern-sounding colorist. I'm like, man, we're going to go everything. I'm like, it's very diverse cast. I was like, they, they just pulled in everyone and David Leach on lettering. But I thought it was kind of cool because like they actually had a, an Asian lead with an Asian artist, Charles Ardai, great writer, terrific. I've never heard of this colorist, but he did a decent job too. Well, in these days, there's no reason you can't have a truly international creative team since all the work can be done remotely and, you know, sent across the internet. And and probably is done like that now, mostly. Like, I'm I'm starting to notice, like, at DC and Marvel, y- you'll notice a lot of uh, Italian artists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the, the Italian artists. They have some t- terrific artists. And they're in Italy, you know, and they're just, you know, sending in digital images to DC or Marvel or Image, wherever they're doing this, you know, and boom, there it is. So it's really cool how technology kind of broadens the talent pool. Well, and for a story like this, where you've got, you know, a gunrunner who's all over the world and such, having people who've been to different parts of the world or maybe live in different parts of the world, huge advantage. One other thing I was going to tell you about this, in issue three, when they're in the uh, sauna, the, like mm-hmm. the bath, the bathhouse, the sauna, I don't know, they start saying Jatu Ke Kiri, you know, like, I'm like... What the heck? I was like, that looks Malaysian. I forgot you flipped a page and they tell you what it says in Malaysian. So I go on and I tell my wife, I'm like, sure. I'm like, Jatuke Kiri. And she's like, oh, that means fall on the left. And sure enough, you flip the page, you're like, in Malay, I haven't heard that in a long time. Go to the left. <laughs> That's funny. So my, I was like, my wife, apparently the whoever's doing this actually knew some Malay words in there. Oh, come on. For this sort of a thing, if you're writing it and you have no idea what it would be, you go to your local university or somewhere and you find out. Yeah, so I that mean, was kind of cool. <laughs> if you need a phrase, again, with the internet, 
you can find out what you need to these days. And I appreciate when they do the homework and it, it whether it was homework for them or they just knew it, who cares? I mean, they got it right. It's what, what matters. Yeah, yeah. So that was really kind of cool. I like that. It, it was funny. The other one that she they always made me laugh is the uh, Pirates of – oh, no, what is it? Swiss Family Robinson. The pirates that they have in there are Indonesian pirates, and Malaysia and Indonesia speak the same language. So when the Indonesian pirates speak in Swiss Family Robinson movie, my wife knows what they're saying. She's telling me what they're saying. Oh, like, that's, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, and in that scene where they're doing that bit with the uh, Malaysian stuff, it actually had one of the better plot points where it's like the characters are thinking one thing and it's like, yeah, I don't think it's playing out that way. And sure enough, it doesn't. And, you know, we get to see different factions kind of at uh, crossroads or whatnot. Yeah. And it, it's not just a by the numbers. Oh, well, of course, this is how it's going to go. I like the twist that they had in here. And I don't want to spoil it too much because I think people should read this. Anyone listening mm-hmm. to this should read this story because it's a decent story. But they, it's not a straight plot, like you said. There's some twist in there. There's some things that happened in the past that come back, and you get to see how that impacts the story today. I think there were at least two solid kind of twists in this story that that made it work fairly well. Yeah. I'm not going to say either were huge surprises, but they played well. They did. They played well. And, and you feel like you could see it happening in the show or in a movie, but mm-hmm. a TV show that's going to be. Uh, so I can see that playing out. And depending on where this comes out, it could be a very risque show. So I just don't know. And so I'm interested to see where it comes out and when, because now you got me excited for the show that I guess they're doing. I don't know what stage it's at. I know that Pillar Sagan finished off Private Eyes after five seasons, so they were ready to do another show. This looks like it would have a bit of a higher action quotient, potentially. Yeah. But they've done action scenes and stuff well in, in Private Eyes and whatnot, so I'm sure they can do it. It's just a matter of where do they set the show, who do they cast, and what kind of, of arc do they have. Yeah. And I think in Private Eyes, they had a very solid character arc through the seasons I've watched. Uh, with Haven, they had a very good plot and character arcs. Uh, likewise with Dead Zone. So yeah. most of those shows, I think, have gone five seasons or so. So it's something we could get a lot. And I could see where they could flesh this out because you could have almost plot after plot after plot. There, there's this one show that was on NBC that was like this. The Blacklist, is that what it is? The Blacklist is kind of like the end game that's currently airing. End game, okay, yeah. It, it just similar type vein where you have government agencies kind of taking someone who's maybe wasn't always on the up and up, you know, and mm-hmm. some twists and turns. And almost like episode to episode, it could be a different plot heist with this type of scenario. They could do something like that. I think the key difference in those shows is they're using the person for information yeah, and pretty much keeping them under lock and key, whereas here, you're actually using the person as a field agent. They'll be the field agent. Yeah, she'd be going out and actually be the key linchpin to the whole success of the mission. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm on board. I'm more excited now talking to you about the TV show than reading this, and it has action, it has drama, it has twists and turns. It's a fun read, so go pick this thing up, I think. I, I think everyone should. Yeah, it's definitely a fun series. And, you know, again, I appreciate how they're going after kind of a different genre that's not particularly well represented necessarily in comics, although, it, frankly, comics lends itself to this, this kind of genre. It should. Yeah, I, I agree. This was the last hard case crime that came out that I can think of 
And this one, I, do you remember the date it came out? I, I don't remember for the life of me, but I believe I know it was in 2021. So it's been a little while. So we should be getting one soon. I'm hopefully this year, unless they're putting all their effort doing the TV show, which could be. Well, that would be a different company doing that. But this was tail end of of 2021, so it probably I think it just finished uh, not that long ago. Yeah. So I'm hoping like maybe this summer we get one. Because it feels like, okay, it's been a little while, maybe around June, July, let's get one for the summer months, you know, get, get a, a new hard case crime in the, in the pipeline. Yeah, I think Gun Hunting Number 4 came out in January, so it wouldn't surprise me if potentially soon as the next previews, we could get a, a solicit for another hard case crimes. I would be happy with that. This, this is one of the few things that, uh, when it comes out from Titan, I always get it. I, I did pick up some of the Michael Moorcock stuff, like his Elric and everything like that. You know, he, he mm-hmm. does some good stuff with that. But I don't get a lot from Titan. I, I, I know you get that uh, the one series. I can't remember. Uh, Rivers of London. Rivers of London. Yeah, which is cool. But I just haven't read it a lot. But this is this is kind of like my go-to. This is my Titan thing. So uh, it, they don't have to do it all the time, but it's about time. I, I feel like let's do this again. <laughs> Well, one thing I'll give Titan a lot of credit for is they do a fair number of comics related to books. Yes. And in many cases, certainly with Rivers of London, they've got the writer of the book on board. Which is cool. So, you know, it's it's playing into that overall continuity and whatnot, which, yeah, I think is great. Versus just having a someone who's a fan of the property, it's having someone who's created the property. And I think that's why you and I... We both seem to enjoy the Orville so much mm-hmm. because the person who's doing the TV show is writing the comic and the characters. It just it sounds like because that's them. He's the creator. I, I think you can get close to that level of synchronicity or whatever, even with somebody who's not working on the show or whatever. But it's much harder. Yeah. And when you've got something that is just so great at dovetailing with the source material and feels like it is part and parcel of it. I mean, to me, that's that's a winning combination. I agree. I agree completely. And, you know, I know we didn't have any questions from this one from the, the Slack channel, but I know there are fans of stuff. Like, actually, believe it or not, I just checked the Slack because I think it was Viking Joker who said, I'm going to read that before, you know, I listen to the recording. Yeah, I saw that just before we started recording. Yeah. Literally, Chris Myers just sent me a DM. And let me see. I, I hope this isn't a question. Let me see. You mentioned you're going to be recording with John tonight. I want to share a couple variant covers done by John McGinnis. Oh, he sent me some cover variants. He's one of the most prolific paperback cover artists through the 50s, 60s, and 70s since 2004. McGinnis has created numerous cover illustrations for the Hard Case Crime paperback series. Also starting in 2016, McGinnis has painted a number of retro-style covers for reissues of books by Neil Gaiman. At age 96, he is still producing great art. Oh, my word. 96. Enjoy the recording. So he sent me the two covers. I'll send them to you in the Slack. But he's still creating covers at age 96. That's insane. Well, as long as you've got the eyesight and a steady hand, there's no reason you can't. That's just what I can't believe. My goodness, his eyesight and his hand coordination at 96. Hats off to this guy. He is prolific because he's been going since the 50s. Wow. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to send that those covers to you. You might want to use them cuz it's the it's the green one with the green background for the first cover where the lady's kind of standing there leaning against a sign with a cigarette. Mhm. 
with our with our leg up. So, but I'll I'll send you the two things in Slack. I was like, holy mackerel! Thank you, Chris Myers, for giving me the history background, and that helped out on the recording. Perfect timing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> now we got a little history on one of the cover artists. That's funny. Yeah, so perfect timing. <laughs> he literally just sent the message when I was looking when I pulled up Slack. That's great timing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anything else? No, I think that does it for me. Cool. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.